Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Today's speaker has been a pastor, teacher, and currently serves as president of God's Bible School and College. In today's podcast, Rodney Loper preaches a message asking this question, What does the resurrection mean to us? corner. I may pay him to shut up here in a little bit. I don't know. How much did he give you? 20? All right. We'll have to see. It is great to see you here this morning. I trust that you have enjoyed convention so far. Convention is more than just an event that uh, we put on for old people. It's uh, an event that we put on for you as well. We want you uh, to be a part. We want you involved. We believe in you. I have confidence in your walk with the Lord, and I want you to know that. If you want to be a spiritually mature, older person, you have to start when you're younger and begin to walk with the Lord, and He will guide your steps. I know life is uncertain for you at this stage, for many of you, but I want you to know you can trust Him to guide and to direct you and to lead you into the path that He has for you. I thought I was going to get to preach without a tie this morning. And uh, lo and behold, Mr. Durst uh, found a tie in the back. And uh, actually, to be 100% truthful, uh, they gave me that tie that I gave away. And uh, I looked at it, I thought I'd like to keep it, but uh, they made me give it away. Uh, so enjoy that. We just, we just, came, through, uh, we just came through the uh, Easter season, and uh, we all had a great time celebrating Uh, I hope that your church didn't ignore the Easter holiday because it is truly a highlight in the church calendar. It is truly uh, the big or the high water mark in all that we do because everything in Christianity centers around the fact that Jesus is not contained in a grave. He rose from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is a victorious King. Amen? Amen. And so we celebrate that, and and I hope that you had a great time doing that. But I want us to know this morning that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is more than just a day that we celebrate every single year. If Easter for you, if the resurrection for you is nothing more than a rally day at your church, if it's nothing more than when mom and dad take you shopping and you get a new suit or a new tie or ladies, you get a new dress, if that's all Easter is to you, you're missing the importance of the message of Easter. Because the message of Easter has ramifications right down to where you and I live. It affects me in the decisions that I make every single day. It affects you in the decisions that you make every single day. The resurrection must have an impact in your life. 
You say, Rodney, how does the resurrection have an impact in my life? Well, the first way that the resurrection has an impact in our life is through His promised presence. If you go to the Gospel of John in chapter 20, uh, you'll read an account of how Jesus, uh, the ladies go to the tomb, they find that the tomb is empty, and later on, all of the disciples are gathered in an upper room again. And as they're gathered there, they, they've locked the door behind them. Why did they lock the door? They're terrified. I mean, after all, they just killed the guy that we've been following around for three years. They, they uh, certainly were the next on the list, right? And so here they are. They're in this upper room. The door is locked. In my mind, the shutters on the window are pulled tight. And here they are. They're saying, oh my goodness, what in the world are we going to do? Are we going to stay here in Jerusalem? Are we going to go to another country? How are we going to escape the impending doom that is certain to fall on us? And it's in the midst, it's in the midst of that crisis. It's in the midst of that, that terror. It's in the midst of a bunch of turmoil. It's in the midst of a very uncertain future. And if I can extrapolate it to you this morning, you're in that same kind of position. Because you don't know the future. You don't know perhaps who you're going to marry. You don't even know who you're going to date, let alone who you're going to marry. You don't know where you're going to go to Bible school. You don't, you don't know anything about the future. And so some of you are, are afraid. Some of you are terrified. Some of you are trying to, to grapple with, with the meaning of life. But I want you to see that in this account in John chapter 20, it was the resurrected Lord who stepped bodily into that room and into the midst of their terror, into the midst of their fright, into the midst of their confusion, the resurrected Jesus came into their life. What does that tell me on this Thursday morning? It tells me that I serve a God who can go where no one else can go. We serve a God who can walk into your world. We serve a God who knows what you're going through this morning. He knows the anxieties that you face. He knows the, the turmoil that exists in your world. He knows the secret that no one else knows this morning. And I want you to know that that same resurrected Jesus can walk into your world and He can minister to you in your time of need. He can go where no doctor can go. I know you're young and most of you are healthy and, and you don't have a lot of concern in that area, but I want you to know through the power of our resurrected Lord, He can reach into your world in a physical way and He can touch and He can help. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no counselor can go. I thank the Lord for quality counselors and, and uh, I think we need them time to time, but I want you to know the best counselor in the world is the resurrected Lord. He's able to zero in right on the need. He's able to get where no one else can go. Why? Because of the power of our resurrected Lord. What am I talking about this morning? I'm talking about the power of the resurrection. It's not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a present reality that we can experience the presence of our Lord. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no counselor can go. I'm glad He can go where no preacher can go. You know, we think that you have to be in a service like this in order to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
We think you have to come to the convention or go to camp meeting or have a revival or have a preacher preach. But I want you to know Jesus is not confined by the mouth of a preacher. He's able to reach into your world. He stepped into my world. I can take you to the spot on Interstate 75 about 30 miles south of here where I was running from God, headed my own way when God stepped into that car and he began to talk to me and he began to convict me. And it was in that moment that God called me to be a minister of the gospel. There wasn't a preacher around. I didn't have the radio on, but I heard the stately steppings of our resurrected Lord as he stepped into that Buick LeSabre and he ministered grace to me. He can go where no preacher can go. And friends, I want you to know, I want you to know that same resurrected Lord has the ability to step into your world. What does the resurrection provide? It provides the presence of Almighty God. Back during the Civil War era, the White House was a lot different than it is today. There wasn't a fence around it. They really didn't have secret service until after Abraham Lincoln was killed. And, and uh, they entertained visitors on a regular basis at the White House. If you wanted to go see the president, uh, you made a trip to Washington, D.C. You set up an appointment with his secretary and uh, hopefully you could just get in and see the president. We don't understand that today, do we? There's no way we can imagine walking up to the guard shack there by the White House and say, hey, I'd like to see uh, President Trump today. Wouldn't happen. They'd probably lock you up. But back then, it happened. And uh, one day, a soldier who had been fighting in the Civil War came to Washington, D.C. because he wanted to see the president. And and uh, he made his way to the secretary, and, and uh, he tried to make an appointment, and the secretary said, I'm sorry, there's just nothing available today. You're going to have to come back in a couple of weeks. He said, but man, I really need to talk to the president. The secretary said, I'm sorry, you can't get in. And so this soldier made his way to a park bench located near the White House, and he sat down, and, and his issue was so heavy on him, he just put his head in his hands, and he began to, he began to just kind of despair. What am I going to do? About that time, he heard a young voice speak to him, and, and he said to him, Sir, what's wrong? He said, Oh, I wanted to see the president, and I can't get in. The little boy said, Take my hand. And the soldier was a little bewildered, but he reached out and he took that little boy's hand and they started walking. And they walked, they walked in the front door of the White House. And they walked past the secretary. The secretary just kind of nodded. And they walked past uh, another secretary inside. And this little boy opened this large door and they walked right into Abraham Lincoln's office. They walked in and the president looked up. And the little boy, Tad, said, hey, Dad, this guy needs to see you. Walked right in to the presence of the president. Friends, I want you to know I'll never get invited to the White House. I'll never be invited to speak at the United Nations Assembly. But there's a far greater person. There's a far greater presence than the president or the United Nations or whatever you happen to ascribe to. And that is the presence of our almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. But the beauty, the beauty of this.
forgiveness is that we don't have to go to Him. You see, that's what every other major religion requires us to do. If you want to get to God, you've got to be good enough. If you want to get to God, you've got to follow these steps. If you want to get to God, you've got to pay this penance. Every other major religion forces you to try to attain to God. But I want you to know that's not how our God operates. Scripture tells us in that famous passage in John chapter 3 that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. God loved you enough to send Him so that you could have His presence in your life. Isn't that a glorious thought this morning? The songwriter put it this way. When I could not go to where He was, He came to me. And I want to testify to the reality of that. I can point back to a ride on Interstate 75 in a Buick LeSabre, but I can also point to event after event after event in my life where the, the blessed presence of Jesus came into my world. Friends, it's more than just an ancient date 2,000 years ago. The resurrection of Jesus brings His presence to us right here. This morning, not only does the resurrection provide his presence, but his resurrection provides peace. If you were to go to John chapter 20, you would see there that Jesus stepped into the room, but his first words to them were peace. Now, had I been there, I'd have been appreciative of those words. I mean, this guy was just killed. We watched him seal that tomb. And now all of a sudden he's here. And by the way, the door's locked. How did he get in? And Jesus says, peace. Have you ever been afraid? Really afraid? This last weekend, I was in New York City with my family and some friends. And we were touring the 9-11 memorial. If you haven't been, you need to go. It's a... It's a sobering thing. Most of you have no idea what we went through on 9-11. But for those of us alive, man, that was a, that was a terrible day. And uh, I was going through that memorial. You're watching the planes hit the towers on video screens. You're looking at artifacts that uh, are there, pieces of the plane. Letters that people wrote and threw out the window hoping somebody on the ground would read it and, and know that they were trapped somewhere in the building. And you're walking from scene to scene and it's just a, it is just a, a, a heavy time. It's a sobering experience. There's not a lot of talking. It's just a, the decorum there is just almost palatable. And we were walking through a section when all of a sudden, there was an explosion. And I, it happened so rapidly, I didn't have time to be afraid. My wife was kind of standing behind me and she immediately grabbed me and started to try to climb inside my shirt. <laughs> my girls, my girls cried out in alarm. I, uh, one of them was almost in tears, you know, they're terrified. Everybody's kind of hunkering down, wondering what is about to happen. One of those fancy strollers with an inner tube exploded down there. Scared everybody half out of their mind. You ever been afraid? 
We were pastoring in Oklahoma City. We were preaching a revival in Tulsa. We got home about midnight. And as we turned on the northwest 16th Street to go to the parsonage that was located right next to the church, there's an apartment building, parsonage, church, apartment building. And we got home and, and uh, it was lit up. There was a helicopter circling with searchlights and, and it, was, it was on my house. It was on the parsonage. And, uh, and so I went up to one of the policemen who was parked there blocking the road and, and I said, sir, I live in that house. What's going on? He said, oh, he said, we have a criminal... We have them uh, cornered between that apartment complex and that apartment complex. Uh, that's my house or the church. He said, but I think you'll be okay. <laughs> now, I don't think, maybe, maybe I am, but I don't think I'm uh, the, a chicken. I, uh, I don't think... But he said, I said, uh, are you sure? He said, yeah, just go on in. If anything happens, let us know. <laughs> are you crazy? So, you know, your dad at that point, what, you, can't, you can't, you know, show fear. And so we drove down the driveway. And it's a long driveway. It's about uh, probably 75 yards off the road. It's... It's dark except for the searchlights. And uh, I tell my family, we're in the van, and I say, you all, you all just stay right here in the van. And at that time, I, I didn't carry a weapon. And I said, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in, open the gun safe, and get a gun. I'm going I'm to go around the house, make sure it's okay, and then you can come in. The problem is my gun safe was in my bedroom and I had to walk through most of the house to get there. And when I unlocked the door of that house, can I, can I be honest with you? I was afraid. No, I was terrified. Do you think I just kind of busted in and said, I'm here, come and get me? No, and I'm sneaking around corners. Get to my gun case. My hands are shaking. I can't push the buttons on the code. Open it up. Get a gun out. Walk around the house like James Bond. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what James Bond does. But Anybody up here? And they don't even know who he is. Bunch of liars. Terrified. Jesus steps into that room of terrified disciples and he says, Peace. 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 Your world is upside down. You don't know where to turn. And the resurrected Lord says, I came on a mission to this upper room tonight. Because I want you to know there's peace. 
And friends, when I talk about peace, I, I want us to understand that, that there are a couple of components to peace. I, I thank God that we have the peace that He provides for you know, those of us who are in Him. The storm may be raging, everything may feel like it's collapsing in upon us, but the Christian has peace because our peace is not contingent upon circumstances that happen in the world. Our peace comes from our commitment at being at peace with God. And so we have the component that when we're right with God, we have peace with God, and God gives us peace in return. But friends, the peace that I want to emphasize to you this morning is the peace that He can bring to a troubled heart, a sinful troubled heart. I believe with all of my heart this morning that I'm talking to some people who do not have peace with God. Scripture tells us that Jesus came to break down the middle wall of partition between a sinful man and a holy God to reconcile us to Himself in order to give us peace with God. And some of you, you've tried to find peace in a myriad of ways. You've tried to find peace with, with uh, your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You've tried to find peace in drugs. You've tried to find peace in sex. You've tried to find peace in all of these other ways. I want you to know that you will never have peace until you come to peace with Jesus Christ. It says peace to them. Several years ago, I was on the island of Hawaii. And uh, I had a little time on my hands and I'm a history guy. I love history. And so I wanted to see Pearl Harbor. And so I made my way to Pearl Harbor and, and uh, I went out on the, uh, to the USS Arizona there. I stood at the memorial. I watched the oil as it bubbled to the surface. I, I remember looking at the names on the wall. I, I remember how sobering it was. And then I, I noticed that there was a battleship kind of moored off to the side, and it was the USS Missouri. I found out the USS Missouri was open for tours, and I made my way to uh, USS Missouri. And, and if you know history, it's on the USS Missouri that the peace treaty was signed between the United States and the, the uh, Emperor of Japan. And I went to the spot on that battleship and I stood where there was a star painted on that deck. And, and I remembered the history of how the generals of Japan took their samurai swords and handed them to General Douglas MacArthur signaling the end of conflict there in the Pacific region of the Second World War. There was a cessation of hostility between the United States in Japan. And friends, I want you to know this morning that if you're ever going to have peace with God, there's got to be a cessation of uh, angst against Almighty God. You've got to surrender to Him and allow Him to be in complete control in your life if you want His peace. The resurrected Lord brings peace. More than just an event on a calendar. He brings His presence. He brings His peace. But here's really where I wanted us to focus this morning. Because not only does He bring His presence and peace, He gives us His purpose for every single person here this morning. If you were to continue reading in John chapter 20, you'd read about Jesus being there. You'd read about Him saying peace. But then you would... Read these words. 
He breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. And then He says, So send I you. Are you with me this morning? Jesus' purpose for His disciples, terrified disciples in that upper room, and His purpose for every single person here in this room this morning, is to go out and share the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's His purpose for every single person here this morning. It's not just reserved for those who have a quote-unquote call to preach, although it is. Thank God for those who are embracing the call. We need many more of you to embrace the call to preach. There are church, I talked to a conference president last night, and he said, man, I need a dozen preachers right now. I thank God for a call to preach. That is part of this purpose. And and there are some of you here this morning who need to stop and say yes to God's holy call in your life. You You need to quit resisting that call. And you need to say, Lord Jesus, if this is what you want me to do, I may be afraid. I may be dismayed. I may not know where to turn or how to do it. But Lord, I'm going to trust your presence. I'm going to trust your peace. And I'm going to follow your purpose for my life. And answer the call of God on your life. Some of you, God is calling to be missionaries. Friends, I want you to know that the era of missions hasn't passed. Oh, I love reading the history of of times past and how missionaries abandoned all and, and they went and poured their life out for the kingdom of God. But friends, I want you to know on this day in 2019, we still need young men and young women to answer the call to go and be lights in a sin darkened world. We need people to embrace that call and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I may be afraid to leave the comforts of the United States. I may be intimidated to go to a culture I don't understand and speak a language I do not know. But, oh, God, I'm going to trust you enough because I believe in your resurrection power. I believe in your resurrection presence enough that I'm going to follow you wherever you call me to go. There are some that need to answer the call to be Christian educators. As I think about missions and I think about God's purpose being propagated in this world, I can't think of a better environment to be a light than in the educational system in this demented world. Think about walking into a public school and and sitting there at your desk and you have these children out in front of you who have uh, parents who have abandoned them and parents who have maligned them and parents who have mistreated them and parents who have basically left them to themselves to raise and there you sit having the possibility of influence in their lives for God and for good. Oh, what a wide open mission field that is available to us today if we'll listen to His purpose. Several months ago now, I was at a wedding reception. Not my favorite thing to do on a Saturday. Can I be honest? If you get married, get married at like 6 o'clock on Saturday morning. Have your reception by 9 o'clock so we can have the rest of the day. Could you do that? <laughs> I make that a motion. All in favor signify by saying aye. All right, do it. Don't send me announcements, all right? I like to sleep in on Saturdays. No, just kidding. 
Hey, one guy thought it was funny. Amen? Amen. All right, he woke up. He was asleep for a bit, I think. I was there at the wedding reception and somebody came up to me and they said, I want to tell you a story about a couple of alumni at God's Bible School that, that you don't know anything about. And he started into this remarkable tale. In fact, it was so remarkable, I, I halfway doubted the guy. I mean, it was one of those things that you say, I'm not sure this is true. But then he backed it up. He, I, in fact, since I've been at convention, somebody handed me empirical data proving what he said was true. The story went like this. Great Depression, late 20s, early 30s. Two young women from Huntington, West Virginia felt like God wanted them to go to Bible school. Let me hit pause right there and say I'm going to use GBS's name a couple of times. I'm not advocating for GBS. I'm advocating for Bible school, okay? Remember that. And they, they felt like God had called them to Bible school. It just happened to be where I'm at now, and they made their way from Huntington, West Virginia, to the campus of God's Bible School, and, and uh, they enrolled in the Christian Workers course. It was a, a shortened co- uh, course at that time, and, and they got a certificate, and while they were there, uh, there was a revival atmosphere, and both of these young ladies from the hills in West Virginia felt like God had called them to be missionaries to Africa. Now remember... Africa's a far, a long way away right now. Think about what it was in 1929. There they are in school. They go to a missions board. And they say to the, the missions board, we feel like God has called us to go to Africa. Would you send us? And the missions board looked at them and said, no, no, no. I, we're not interested in sending a couple of ladies a couple thousand miles over to Africa to be missionaries. And so they turned them down. They said, we don't want to send ladies and we think your health isn't sufficient. Those were the two reasons. These ladies went back home. They were dismayed. They felt like God. That was God's purpose for their life. They felt it burning in their heart. So they went back home and they were crying out to God saying, God, we're trying to answer your call. We're trying to do what you called us to do. And yet it feels like the doors are shut. But the call was so intense in their life that they got jobs there in that local community and they saved their money until they had enough money to, to buy a fare from New York Harbor to South Africa. They did that. No missions board. Two single ladies took their money and they sailed. After some time, they arrived in South Africa and they got off the ship. All right, we're here. The one, the one lady turned to the other and said, what do we do now? I can't, I can't imagine this. Can you? What, what do we do now? And the one lady said, well, last night, as I was praying, I felt like the Lord told us to get on a northbound train, and that was it. All right? So they got on a northbound train and headed north. 100 miles, 200 miles, 300 miles, 400 miles, 500 miles, 600 miles, 700 miles, 800 miles, 900 miles. About 1,000 miles into it. 1,000 miles into it. The one lady said when they got up that morning, she said, God told me to get off the next stop. The other lady said, well, he didn't tell me. It came to a stop. It was in the middle of nowhere. 
As I understand it, it was basically a whistle stop. What that means is it was just a place where the train stopped and they put water in so that they could have steam and they put a few other things on and they kept heading north. She felt like God told her to get off there. She got off. It was a wooden platform overlooking the vast nothingness of Africa. Can you imagine? Oh, I'm not a chicken. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that today when I might have a satellite phone. There she is. And as the train cleared the track, she stood there and she turned and looked and there was a man, a white man, standing on the other side of the track. And he greeted her in English. And he said, what are you doing here? She said, God told me to get off here. She said, what are you doing here? He said, God told me in the place of prayer this morning that there was going to be a missionary on this train and I was to come to this very platform to meet her. Happenstance, right? Do you know what's interesting? Is that lady was so dedicated to the kingdom of God. She went with this fellow. They went back to a village and she poured her life out for the kingdom of God there. Thirty years pass. Huntington, West Virginia, some kind of society there wanted to honor her commitment to the Lord. She hadn't been home. They said, come home. You're getting old. You're getting feeble. Come home. We'll pay your way back home. They wired her. You know what she wired back? I'll come, but it's got to be a two-way ticket. She would come, but she's going back to fulfill the purpose that God called her to do. The other lady, she stayed on the train another hundred miles. When they got there, she felt like God told her to get off. She started a mission. And these ladies started churches and orphanages. And for the next 50 years... One of them never returned. Both of them are buried over there. One of them never returned to the United States. Why? Because they heard the voice of the resurrected Jesus saying, So send I you. This morning, what I feel burning down in my heart It's that God wants to do that kind of thing again. He wants some of you young people to be so serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ that you'll say, here I am, send me. Oh, I could be a doctor. I could be a lawyer. I could be an orthodontist. I could be whatever it happens to be that you aspire to. But friends, I want you to know. I want you to know that there is nothing more exhilarating. There's nothing more exciting than answering the call of God and saying, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll serve where you want me to serve. It may not be easy. It may not be a bed of roses, so to speak. But Lord Jesus, I'm so committed to finding and following your purpose that I'll do what you want me to do. I wonder this morning 
As the pianist comes and plays something appropriate, I wonder this morning if there are some young people here who would stand with me and say, Oh God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I want you to know that I'm available. God, I don't know where you want me to go, but I want you to know I'll go if you call me to go. Lord Jesus, I'll go because I can trust your presence. I'll go because I can trust your peace. I'll go because I feel that your purpose for my life is to go out and share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're standing, I want to remind you of one more truth from John chapter 20 that we can't miss. Because Jesus says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. We know from John chapter 17 that Jesus said, if I don't go away, the the comforter can't come. And he'll convict and guide and reprove and lead you into all truth. So what I want us to see here is, yes, we have his presence and yes, we have his peace and yes, we have his purpose. But friends, through the Holy Spirit, we have his power. (laughs) You can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. But I want you to know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do what God has called you to do. With the help of the Holy Spirit, there's no place too dark. There's no place too difficult. There's no burden too great. Why? Because He's promised the blessed power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Young people, if you're available to God this morning, I don't want you to wait. I want you to step out and come down to this front. There are chairs here. I want you to say yes to God. God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm available to you. God, I've got to have. God, I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your peace. But Lord Jesus, I'm going to do your purpose in my life. I hope the cry of your heart this morning is, oh God, send me. Oh God, pick me. Don't bypass me. Let me be involved in some aspect of your kingdom. Don't bypass me tonight. There's still room up here. There's room along the front. Uh, There's room in this front row. Oh, come, friends. If you're available to God this morning, I want you to say yes. I want you to say yes to Him. Oh, God, I can't do it. God, I can't do it without your help. I'm helpless, but Lord Jesus, I depend on you. Come, let's kneel at least one thing. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.